Good everybody and welcome to a, another week of This Week in Crypto, which is actually for last week. I <laughs> uh, hope you're well, hope you've had a great week. It's been a very slow period for the market, starting to consolidate a little bit more. And um, I've got to be honest, there's not been a great deal of trading opportunity out there of late. And um, look, I don't mind too much. It's that time of year where it's silly season and we're all busy. I've got uh, birthdays. I've got Christmases, I've got lots of, lots and lots and lots of things to take care of. So, it's okay. It's a gum mud. It's going to come good at some point. Okay, so let's go through some of the items from last week uh, and, uh, and over the weekend and see just what is going on in the digital asset and cryptocurrency markets. Now, we have seen a couple of hacks recently. Yes, Ad, uh, sorry, Ascendex was hacked, as you can see with this headline, for 77 million estimated to be, yeah, 70, 70, 77 million in crypto from the exchange. Now, whilst that has not been completely confirmed just yet, the audit company that are going through to have a look at all of that suggested it's about that number. What happened was they got hacked from their hot wallets. They are still investigating. It is still fairly fresh, but their hot wallet is a wallet which holds a certain amount of digital assets or crypto that is available there for users to trade, but also for users to be able to, uh, or sorry, for the market to be able to, sorry, the exchange to be able to give you your money back. So they do have to keep a bit there in the treasury to make sure that they've got liquidity to hand over to you. Now, whilst most of the funds were held off in cold storage, as they say, not your address or not your wallet, not your crypto, it's, uh, it's reported that this is only a small portion of the hacked amount. Sorry, the, the 77 million is only a small portion of what they hold within their ranks. Now, they've also come out and since said that they will be giving that money back to any users that have been affected by this hack. They have also gone forward to say that there will not be any withdrawals happening at the moment whilst they get to the bottom of what has been obviously a very, very bad week for them. There has been a couple of these that have been happening lately. There's another one here uh, in Australia called, I think it's this next article actually, uh, My Ether Wallet, I think it is. Uh, where is it? Uh, where did I find it? ACX was one and My Ether Wallet, My Crypto Wallet, sorry, was another. Now, bringing us to The Guardian, to this next news item, the search is on $50 million in lost cryptocurrency after two Australian exchanges collapse. Now, if you have been around this year or last year, you'll know that ACX, a fairly prominent Australian exchange, um, was, well, went into receivership. Now, the CEO at, at one stage, and I'm not sure if it's still under uh, review, but he kind of left. Uh, I don't know where he is, uh, but he there's a lot of claims to, around this fellow and uh, hopefully the right thing is done and it wasn't just a rug pull type event. What we have seen with ACX uh, in Australia has affected many people that I know personally. I had used that exchange once, but I just didn't hold anything on there. Therefore, my funds were safe in my own storage capacity. Now, whilst we talk about hacks of exchanges, uh, hot wallets and the loss of funds and whatnot, one of the things that we must understand as traders especially is that we are going to have to run somewhat of an exchange type play for our own trading. Now, what I mean by that is that, sure, we can have our crypto off into uh, another wallet 
our own, you know, cold storage, whether it be a Trezor or whatever. There's a whole plethora of options out there these days. What we do have to do as traders is we will have to keep some crypto on exchange so that we can raise our orders and do our trading. So this is what I'm saying when it comes to the systemized approach that we do see with the last uh, article with this Ascendex hot wallets. I do something very similar to that. Yep, I hold funds on certain exchanges that I use frequently. The reason that I do this is, as I say, so that I can trade at will when I like to do so. The majority of my crypto is held off of these exchanges, though. So my risk, therefore, is now managed. Now, I talk about risk management a great deal uh, in, our, in all the courses that we've got operating there, whether that be the paid or the free. And the idea behind this is so that we know what our exposure is at any given time. As a trader, our main uh, focus is to make sure that we preserve the capital that we have first and foremost, because without capital, we can't trade. It is literally, you know, the crux of the business is having capital. So if I know that I've got, say, $100,000, then I will be managing my risk to $100,000 account. That means I'll be risking $1,000 per trade at 1%. It does not mean that I need to be holding the entire $100,000 on any platforms, because that would become my risk. My risk is not just through my own actions when I'm trading or through the actions of the market, slippage and gapping. It also comes through the actual exchanges being hacked themselves, such as what we have seen here. Holding my majority on another platform or on a cold storage wallet where I know it to be safe is a much better idea. And if you haven't considered this before, I strongly suggest that you do. So coming back to the article, $50 million is gone, skis, so to speak. And it says here in a speech on Thursday to the Australian Israel Chamber of Commerce, the Treasurer Josh Frydenberg said the government would consult on establishing a licensing system for digital currency exchanges, together with regulation on businesses that hold custody of crypto on behalf of customers. Now, I'm all for this. And before you go and throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, I don't want regulation, this is power to the people, that is where we began here. Absolutely. And it is where we continue to drive and push forward on. Yes, we want power to the people, but we also want to make sure that there is accountability for those same people. Now, at the moment, what we have to do with most financial instruments is when they've been classed as financial instruments, for which cryptocurrency has not yet been, not in Australia anyway, um, we, uh, the accountability comes from the companies that issue certain uh, shares. Uh, it comes from the government who backs up deposits in the banking sector and various other measures. Now, as far as accountability goes for when these things don't go well, well, one could certainly argue that there is very little accountability. If one thinks back to the GFC, the global financial crisis, how many people went to jail for what was trillions of dollars down the drain and many people's investments disappearing and their retirement being cancelled or put on hold? Who went to jail? Nobody. So as far as accountability goes, you know, it's a, it's, it's a wishy-washy one, but there is more accountability in a regulated space. Now, I would love to see some form of regulation in place where it does have accountability so that people can't just go out there and start up some crappy project, raise a bunch of money through influences or whatever, and then just dust them because it happens a lot. There are a lot of very selfish, uh, very greedy, uh, very narcissistic people in the world, not just crypto. These people tend to have a wonderful way of finding areas to get rich quick. And they often do at the detriment of you and I. I don't like the sight of that. I don't like the sound of that. There is nothing that I like about that. It makes my stomach churn. So some form of regulation to help combat that sort of thing 
would certainly get two thumbs up from me. As you can see down here, there's a few things that go on. Uh, she points to failures such as, when I say she, uh, that is Pamela Hanrahan, Professor of Commercial Law and Regulation at the University of New South Wales. So it's like licensing creates a moral hazard. So she points to failures such as the financial planning scandals that rocked the banking industry in the mid-2010s and the 19, 2009 Trio Capital failure, which deprived retirement savers of $176 million and was the biggest superannuation collapse in Australian history as examples of where licensing regimes have failed to safeguard consumers. And now why, why, why? Hmm, how does this happen? Well, if the regulation and the licensing and systemization of this process is not put together well and held accountable again, that is the regulators holding these companies to account for doing the right thing, what it simply does is it simply sticks like a made in Australia type sticker on where you go, this is made in Australia. It gives people confidence. It gives people the warm and fuzzies. It makes, it, it can provide shady operators with a single, a singular tick like on Twitter, right? A blue tick there says, I am that person. Now, it does give a little bit more confidence in that project. Now, if the regulation system is not empowered and not, uh, you know, up to scratch, then we are going to see, again, in cryptocurrency, opportunities for those bad players to come in, but with the hood of regulation and you're good, we're good, let's do this together. People have more confidence if there are some sort of regulation, regulation on board. So it needs to be careful, it needs to be done properly, and it needs to be done relatively quickly from what they're saying. Okay, so it's one, it's, so this is what I was exactly getting at. It's one thing to announce it, but you know, they're gonna have to deliver it and hopefully not make quite the mess of what they have done, um, sorry, what they've made of chapter seven of the Corporations Act, which regulates financial services, she said. She also goes on to say this, and this is why this section is in purple. And this is, again, this comes down to something really important. We're gonna see in our next article, oh, sorry, not our next article, but the, an article down the street, two more, uh, about Congress. Of course, we saw Sam and uh, a lot of the other people in crypto uh, speaking to Congress and trying to educate essentially 80-year-olds on, on digital assets, blockchain, and cryptocurrency. I think they would struggle to use Skype, let alone understand any of that, if my grandparents and my parents even are anything to go by. And just about, you know, the majority of people in that age group, nothing against it, guys, you just moved on. Like, you know, you're old, cool. Live well, live happy. But understanding something where the internet didn't even exist, computers didn't even exist, when you're my age, it's gonna be a pretty bloody hard run. Anyway. Coming back to that, what I'm saying is dinosaurs that don't want to change and understand things and are not the future. The future is the younger generations, the millennials, the growth of the internet is definitely in our future. Is it in our best interest? Probably not, but it's in our future. I think going back to farming and looking after ourselves, hunting, eating, growing our own food is probably a solution to many of today's problems, but that ain't going to happen anytime soon unless you make the choice. She says this, this is what Pamela Hanrahan has to say. In the meantime, people who buy and sell crypto should realize that they don't have any inherent worth. They have no inherent worth, yet we're talking about $50 million lost in cryptocurrency. I think that's worth something, wouldn't you say? I do. 
She believes cryptocurrencies are worse investments than tulip bulbs that changed hands for fortunes during the tulip mania that gripped the Dutch in the 17th century. An episode in history that's regarded as a classic example of a speculative bubble. At least if you bought a tulip bulb, you can plant it and grow a tulip, she says. She does have a very good point with that. These things don't do anything. And clearly, here lies the problem. She thinks these things don't do anything. These things don't do anything. Okay, that's a little bit concerning. Why? Because this is somebody who's coming in and making comments about regulation and licensing of our market, of digital assets and cryptocurrency. She says they don't do anything. She thinks that tulips do more than cryptocurrency. I'll tell you what you can do with a tulip. Exactly what she has said. You can plant it. You know, like, <laughs> to not understand is, it just simply is ignorance. Uh, it's somebody who does not want to learn and it is something that is scary as regulation comes in. Now, this might work in our favor at delaying regulation for a little while. If that is something that would be in your favor, it might work against us because it doesn't get regulated fast enough and more people get hurt. I don't know which way it's going to go, but with people in there talking like this, it's going to take a while. Okay, over to more news, and that is on WhatsApp. 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 We all use it. Well, they're trialing payments in crypto right now. So, they've got a limited number of people on a testing site or a testing, you know, beta testing group to see if they can send money through the app in the form of a stablecoin. The new pilot has its roots in Facebook's, now Meta, if you recall, much hype cryptocurrency plans, which were officially announced in 2019. At the time, Facebook, as part of the Libra Association, planned to develop and launch a cryptocurrency called Libra, which would be pegged to a basket of low volatility assets rather than any one specific currency. Remember, they had Visa and a bunch of others on board. This would integrate with a Facebook-developed digital wallet called Calibra. That has since changed. A number of those companies fell apart, or sorry, not fell apart, stepped away. They've changed hands now. There is uh, a DM currency, which is run by a company called Novi. I think it was Novi, where's that? Yeah, Novi. They are still committed to DM, so they're still going through this whole thing, okay? They're still going through this whole uh, Facebook and money. That's what they're trying to do. And of course, that is, I mean, it's a little bit terrifying in, in, in some ways. I mean, if you consider that Facebook, and I've covered this many, many times back when Facebook were getting involved in this whole Libra and the cryptocurrency payments uh, side of things. It's, um, Facebook knows where we are. They know what we're spending things on. They know who our friends are, what type of people we love. And the data that they collect from us is staggering. That is why Facebook is worth like 200 billion or whatever it is now, probably more. The sale of our habits, as I suppose you will, online is very, very big business. And that's why when you go to the terms and conditions on any app or whatever, every single one of them will track you and they will sell the data for you. 
they will sell it on, you don't get anything of that. Then you start to see things like ads popping up, you know? Think of it like this. If I go and stay with my parents for a week or so up in Noosa and I am around them and my farm, my mum and my dad, if I'm around them, what it will do is that they will find the proximity of where I am at and then they will start to th throw things onto my feed that may be similar to what my mum and dad are looking at. You know, perhaps a, uh, a holiday to the Northern Territory, not likely, but you know, not likely at the moment anyway. Uh, and I'll start seeing this type of stuff. Now it's not because my phone is listening to me, I don't think. Are you Siri? See, she didn't say anything. She knows when to keep quiet. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's more than likely because of the way that these things, these, these devices operate. For them to now know more about our spending habits because they own the currency, about how much wealth we have in that currency, it is quite a terrifying thing. And also the ability then for them to shut that down. I don't know about that. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, but again, it's more being done with blockchain in mind and it makes comments like this, these things don't do anything, seem all the more ridiculous. On a micro strategy, so a bit of good news coming in here now. Micro strategy buys up another $82 million in Bitcoin, now holds 122,478 coins. This could be the single best trade ever by a CEO. Um, you know, MicroStrategy have been at it again. They have been buying and buying and buying and buying by issuing bonds and whatnot to raise capital. They bought a lot more again last week. Now, MicroStrategy's purchased an additional 1,434 Bitcoins for $82 million in cash at an average price of 57,477. However, with the purchases that they have been making of late since they began with their $250 million first foray into Bitcoin purchasing, their average price is $29,861. One of the best, you know, one of the most prominent spokespeople for our industry is Michael Saylor. Now, MicroStrategy is not necessarily a massive company. What will happen when we do start to see some larger companies using Bitcoin as their treasury. And I am sure that it will happen. This is an experiment looking into what can, at a very small level, do what, it, what, you know, what this can do to Bitcoin because there's 124,000 less to be picked up right now. So another big step forward in the right direction there for our market, for confidence within Bitcoin and of course, micro strategy. And people will be buying that stock so they can have access to Bitcoin itself. It's a regulated marketplace. Uh, it's a regulated uh, stock that is listed, so they get access. There you go. On to the biggest piece of news this week, I would suggest anyway, it's Congress. Yep, the guys and girls over there in the US talking about cryptocurrency. Now, there's an awful lot of words in here. An awful lot, okay? And uh, essentially, it was difficult to pick out the things that really represented any value to us, to be fair. Uh, I did come across what Brian Brooks is saying. Now, Brian Brooks is somebody who has been working uh, inside of crypto for a little while. I'll tell you why. Brian Brooks, an acting compute, computroller of the currency under President 
Donald J. Trump, and now the chief executive of the blockchain technology company Bitfury, that's the mining company, asked lawmakers to consider the decentralization that crypto systems can offer and whether Americans want an internet that puts ownership in the hands of users as opposed to a few giant tech companies. Rewind back to me talking about WhatsApp and Facebook and Libra and DM and all that. And this is, I think this little this little slot, this little piece of information here is really, really golden because it really does break down what we got into crypto for, what we want to see, which is more power to the people. What he's sort of dropped the hammer on is by saying, <coughs> excuse me, he said, do we want to keep these tech companies with absolute dominance and power or shall we have them a lot less centralized? Go for a decentralized power to the people, people ownership, individual ownership, individual management sort of plan. And I think it really hits on the point of why we came into this marketplace. The early, early days before me, well, I mean, I was in 2017, I was late uh, as far as, I mean, I was not that late, but you know what I mean? As far as the visions that was set out in Satoshi's white paper and also the early days of blockchain and cryptocurrency, um, this is what it's about. It's about having a different opportunity, a different system, a power to the people system, not ruled by the elites, not ruled by governments or very wealthy people. This is people power. And given that this is the case, I think it's going to continue to find a lot of issues when dealing with Congress. Why? Well, we know that, uh, well, I can tell you, lobbyists get paid an awful lot of money to be in the ear of certain politicians and to make sure that, you know, especially in America, they are very much on, um, and Australia's going down that same path, by the way. It's uh, the donors. They get donations from, from business through lobbyists and they account to quite a lot of money. That money has been proven to show that if you've got a lot of money behind you with your campaign, it's much higher probability that you'll be successful with that. Why? Because you can market more. Marketing equals outcomes, which is votes. So if these people are not to continue to toe the line for these larger corporations, who knows? They might just try and shut the whole thing down. Here's the conundrum, though. We know they can't shut it down. A decentralized financial network, which we have in Bitcoin, well, how do you shut something down that has no central place to be shut down? It's very, very difficult for them to do that. So I think it's going to be a bit of argy-bargy for a number of years before we actually get some form of regulation that isn't just blanket crap uh, to make people feel like they're actually making decisions and moving forward. So it's going to be a very interesting place to watch and see. As you can see, cryptocurrency is back on the agenda in Congress again this week. So that's this week. Senator Sharon, sorry, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, the Democratic Chairman of the Senate Banking Committee, has called a hearing on stablecoins. This has been ongoing for quite some time, by the way, and it's very it's going to be very interesting to see the outcomes. The witness list has not been finalized. Mr. Brown said in an interview that his that this his hearing, sorry, would be a step toward legislation and that he was working together with financial regulators like the Security and Investment, sorry, the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Treasury Department. I want responsible innovation, and that means rules. I agree. I think it's important that we do have responsible innovation and that there are rules set in place. We do want to see accountability. We do want to see good actors in this space 
doing well. Not bad actors that just want to make themselves rich by taking money from others. And that is this week in crypto, guys. It's been um, a lot going on. Is there ever a week where there's not a lot going on? Well, yes, there is, Craig. There's a lot. There's not a lot going on with price at the moment, but there is a lot going on behind the scenes. And this is your little snippet, your 20-minute or 25-minute snippet of what has been going on. Now, guys, if you would like to get access to one of our courses for free with a full crypto cradle trading strategy, then you need to go to tradercob.com forward slash bybit. Drop us a link. Let us know. And then you can have a full course put on by Bybit, and you're very welcome. Take it easy. Have a great day. And it's very close to Christmas, so why not? Merry Christmas to you all. Bye for now.